What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome back, everybody, to the Really Real Real Estate Podcast Episode 42, going once, going twice, sold. By now, it's no secret that in Pittsburgh real estate market, there are too many buyers and not enough sellers. Basic supply and demand tells us that when supply goes down and demand goes up, the price of any good or service increases in the real estate market. There's like no exception. Today, we talk about what to watch out for when it comes to multiple bid situations and how to avoid the trap that so many buyers and sellers fall into when it comes to these uh, multiple bid situations. My name is Lou Lombardi. Now, here's your host with the most, Jason Wilcox. Thank you so much, Lou. How are you doing today? Um, just just fantastic, man. And uh, this, is, this is a good uh, topic because um, this is because of the uh, recent situation with the uh, pandemic and everything. We are we have more. We, we need sellers. <laughs> yep. Yep. And, and what's funny Lou, a very is cool that, place to be if you're trying ex- to sell. <laughs> exactly. And Lou, the funny thing was, you know, we, we were worried about COVID kind of being that shift in the market, because if people remember before COVID, this multiple bid situation has been going on for three years now. I mean, it hit the market. I want to say late 17, early 18. And we just thought this is crazy. This is nuts. We, we thought we would be done with it. And here we are like three years later, interest rates keep dropping. I mean, how many times do we hear our, our lender friends say, yeah. nope, just when we thought they couldn't get any lower, and your rates are he like is at 2%. He's such a liar because every week he stands up at B&I and says, <laughs> this is the lowest they're ever going to get. And then the next week, they're lower. They're lower. I got to look at these. We going, have to have a you... talk with that guy, Jason. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, it's like we're li- like literally giving away free money. But no, I, yeah, <laughs> I, I hear you. We're you to... <laughs> To take this money, that's kind of what's going to exactly, be exactly, <laughs> exactly. But you know, between that and then just you know the 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 market's doing well. People are making money. Four hundred one ks are up. You know, people have money to spend. They want to they want to buy a house. So you know, for the last couple of years, we've been in this multiple bid situation. We're just there's not enough sellers out there. And the problem is, people go, well, why why don't people want to sell? Well, because I hate to to spoil it, but if you sell, that means you have to have somewhere to go. And by needing somewhere to go, you become a buyer. And so some Many sellers are hesitant to put their their, their house on the market yeah. because they, they don't want to become this buyer that has to then get into this rat race that is the multiple bid situation. Well, yeah, uh, it's you know what what are you going to do? I mean, it it it's it, it will eventually yes. fluctuate. This is you know yes. we know you know this is. It, this is how markets work. They go up, yep. they go down. Sometimes it's yep. good for the seller. Sometimes you go through periods where it's good for the buyer. It's just yep. how it is. You can't get too bent out of shape. 
Yep. Yep. For every, for, yep. For every three people that I meet that are like, oh, I'm waiting for interest rates to drop as if like, you know, 2.5 wasn't enough. I'll, I'll find you four people that were buying houses in 1989 when the, when the interest rates were 17 and a half percent. So, you know, there are people out there that can say, yeah, look, these, this, this mark goes up and down and it will eventually shift. But for now, this is where we're at and this is what we need to handle. Absolutely. So what's, uh, how, do, how are we going to get into this here? We're going to start about when, with these sellers that are sort of like, they got the world by the, you know, the, the, you yeah. know, what's yeah. Yeah, exactly. Although I feel like every week we, we do start <laughs> off with talking to people about what exactly it is we're talking about. So just in case there's anybody out there who doesn't understand what a multiple bid situation okay, right, is, you got it. Yeah. <laughs> it's where somebody's selling a house and normally a buyer makes a bid on a place. Well, multiple bids means there's more than one buyer that wants to buy the house and therefore the seller has to decide which buyer they're going to go with basically it's it's you're you're the pretty girl at the prom that's been asked by four guys to the prom and you have to decide which one you want to take to the prom it's that situation Ah, nice. <laughs> and by the way, Lou, just in case you're wondering, no, I did not have four people ask me to the prom. You I mean know your that prom situation wasn't a multiple bid situation? No, it was not. It was not. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the the first thing we want to get into and that I like to dispel right away with, with multiple bid situations is this. Um, the seller holds all the cards. The all favor, the all the cards, the favor is 100% um, in favor of the seller. And the reason I bring that up is because I talk to a lot of buyers um, and I talk to a lot of buyers with parents. I talk to a lot of buyers with parents who like to offer their real estate advice, though they not have the license to sell real <laughs> estate. And they always like to say, oh, don't, don't give them what they're asking for. Come in low, get them to low ball, make all these fixes and repairs. And yeah. If, if this were a situation where inventory was high and the buyer had the pick of the litter when it comes to the housing market, yeah, that's something we could talk about. And in five years, we might be having this conversation. But right now, that's not the situation. When you have four, five, six, seven, ten buyers bidding on one house, the seller holds the cards. You have to realize, you know what, you're going to have to give them everything they want. And plus more, if you really want that house, um, if there's multiple bid situations going on, don't expect to come in 15000 and ask for a home warranty and ask for a $2,500 credit towards repairs. You're most likely not going to get picked. So know that when the seller, uh, when it's a multiple bid situation, the seller holds all the cards and they're going to make the rules and you're either going to abide by them or you're going to keep looking at other houses uh, that maybe don't match up to this one. Okay. Yeah, you can't just... Uh you know, it is what it is. Exactly. You know and I mean? it just, it just is. And this is why you need to listen to your real estate advisor on these situations, because maybe your mom and dad, they love you and everything, but your real estate advisor does this every day. <laughs> exactly. And, and, and you know what, if you want, if you want to wait until we're not in multiple bid situations, give me a call in 2026, you know, yeah. like I said, but for the foreseeable future, we're going to be in this situation. So, you know, and if you're happy with renting or living at home with mom and dad for another couple of years until this subsides, well, then maybe we can have a different conversation in, in three, four five years. But for right now, this is where we're at. This is it. This is what it's yep. going to be. Yes. So, so what do you do then? Do you, I mean, how do you, how do you approach this thing? Yeah. So basically what happens is this, if you know you're in a multiple bid situation, you got to write your best offer forward, right up front, put your best foot forward, do everything that you can 
uh, to, to, to make it happen. So we're going to really break this out into two sections. The first is to talk about the things that you're probably already aware of. If I've not said it in the last 10 minutes, I'll say it again. You gotta be pre-approved. Do not come to me without having that conversation <laughs> with Jim Martin or whoever you're going with, you know, in terms of, in terms of, you know, making sure you're pre-approved and I want it in writing. I want the, the pre-approval letter in writing and I want you to have submitted all your documentation to the lender. I want you to send them pay stubs and, 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 and tax returns and, and W-2s. Why? Because if you do it or if you don't do it, I promise you one of the three other people been on the house have done it. And guess what? That's going to put them in a better light. So you got to be, you got to be pre-approved ahead of time. The other thing you got to do, this is common sense to the listeners. Cause we did a podcast on this a while ago, you know, put down some significant hand money, you know, put the, put the, put the hand money on the table. You know, usually we talk about, uh, you know, a lot of buyers will start in that one to 2% of the price range. You know, if you're buying a $200,000 house, don't put $2,000 worth of hand money down, put 15,000 down and show them you're serious. Remember, that money's going off your closing costs at the end anyways, as long as you go to closing. So it's no harm to you. You're going to have to spend it. Put it up front and show that you're serious. Um, I won't I won't dive into this too much because this could probably be an episode on its own, but you, you, you want to watch the purchase price. Um, at the very least, you're probably going to go in at asking price. Um, you do have to be careful. You can always offer more. I mean, you'll hear all the time houses going for five and 10 and 15 and 20,000 over. Um, that's not unheard of. However, the reason why I put that little cautionary tale out there is you have to be careful. If you're getting a loan, um, you are going to have to make sure that the house appraises. Appraises means they're going to send out an appraiser um, who's who's licensed to be able to and certified to be able to determine the value of a home. And if they don't think it's worth the twenty thousand over that you're paying for it, um, they will not um, appraise the house. And the lender only loans on the sales price or the appraised value, whichever is less. So you can't go over asking price, but I would watch out about that. And when we actually get to the next section, we're going to talk about some things that you can do that maybe you don't have to go 30,000 over uh, asking price. Um, and then finally, the other thing is just to be flexible with the close date. Um, everyone knows that the close date's negotiable. You know, you may want to be in the house ASAP, but the seller may say, look, I've been living here for 40 years. Um, I've got 90 years worth of crap to, to purge <laughs> out of my house. I need 65 days. So be flexible with the close date. Again, going back to the seller holds all the cards, the seller holds all the cards. If they, if they need 75 days, if they need 15 days, if they need whatever, you're going to have to give it to them. And so I think that and those points are kind of the most common ones that, that people know about, but just know that these are things that the seller is going to run, run the table with when it comes to a multiple bid situation. Yeah. Yeah. You just, you this, you just can't, uh, as they say, you can't fight city hall. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. I've tried, but (laughs) to no avail. (laughs) So what about trying to find maybe some hidden gems? Yes. So this is my favorite thing to talk about. And I love to talk about it because I don't know if there's any real estate agents out there listening right now, but they're probably cringing that I'm going to give away the secrets. (laughs) Uh And, and, And what I'll say is this. They're not really secrets if you know what you're doing. <laughs> this is why you have the real estate advisor. 
Yep. In your, and in your honest, phone, in your yep. contact list. Come on. This is weak. Oh, if you yep. have if you have a great real estate advisor like Jason Wilcox, <laughs> then you don't have to worry about trying to figure out the tricks and all that stuff. Because yep. he's gonna he's gonna take you through the whole thing. I'm sorry, yep. I get excited. Go ahead. I, I do too. And the funny <laughs> thing is, I get excited about this because they're not so hidden. If you read the sales contract, it's right in front of you. You just have to use the 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 fluffy stuff between your ears that God gave you. Okay. Mm. So here are the hidden gems, and they all boil down to one very simple concept. A seller really doesn't care so much about the sales price. They care about what they're walking away with. Because mm. if you let me let me let me let me let me give you an example. Sure. If you offer someone two hundred thousand dollars, but they have twenty thousand dollars worth of closing costs, or you offer them hundred ninety thousand, but they don't have any closing costs to cover. What's the better deal? Yeah, it's actually the lower sales price because they're going to walk away with more. And that's what these hidden gems that are really not so hidden um, help us out with. So one of the things that you can do um, that that I'm a huge fan of is in every transaction uh, there's a there's a tra- what's called a transfer stamp or a transfer tax. Lou, I think we hinted about this at the last podcast. You oh, and I you are not transfer stamp, not tramp stamp. I'm sorry. Sorry. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Thank, thank you, Lou. Yes, transfer <laughs> stamp. Tramp stamp is something else. That's next week's episode. Not to give any hints away. <laughs> So transfer, <laughs> I couldn't resist. I'm sorry. It, it, it's funny because when you set that up, I was like, oh, that's not where I thought we were going. But here we go. <laughs> um, or or transfer ta- tax. And I think last episode, Lou, you and I alluded to this. So talking about the government and, and, and our joy with the government getting involved in everything that we do. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, there is a transfer stamp associated with, with every sale, which is basically a tax. Um, I can tell you it, where Lou and I live in Washington County, in all of Washington County, except for the yuppies that live in Peters Township, and I say that with all love and respect, um, it is it's a little higher in Peters Township. Um, but all of Washington County, with the exception of Peters, is two percent. And the way the sales contract is written is um, it's divided. Uh, equally between buyer and seller. So 2% divided by two is one. Each participant, the buyer and the seller pay 1% of the sales price as a transfer tax. So uh, that's $2,000 on a $200,000 sale but for buyer and for seller. However, if I remember correctly, the, the phrasing of the line is transfer stamp will be divided equally between buyer and seller unless stated otherwise here you can put in that line buyer will pay 100 of the transfer stamp so there's a perfect example in a multiple bid situation where okay instead of splitting 50 50 buyer and seller one percent one percent put all two percent on the buyer that now saves your seller that two thousand dollars in a two hundred thousand dollar sale that mm. saves that seller two thousand dollars because you're you, Mister and Mrs. Buyer, are willing to pay that transfer stamp. So basically, uh, what these th- ideas come to come come uh, come amount to is the the you can there's ways that you can make the deal sweeter for the seller, and you can end up saving yourself a little bit of money. Right, because they they net more. They the the, the more. sellers so are yeah yeah they're they're so they're so they're seeing the transaction is like oh yeah it isn't the it's a little less than the actual sticker price. However, um right. you know it's a it's the, the the value is way better because I'm going to walk away. I'm going to put more in my pocket. 
Yep. Yep. And actually, as a side note, because uh, I don't believe I'm saying anything illegal here, though I'm not a lawyer. Um, I, I've actually I've I've heard in slower times where there's not been a multiple bid situation. Um, I have heard I've never experienced this. This is only what I've heard through the grapevine. Okay. There are actually some buyers who will do that. They'll actually take on maybe five or ten thousand dollars worth of the seller's closing costs and offer five or ten thousand dollars less and you might be saying well lou and jason why on god's green earth would you do that well because if a seller's willing to accept a lower amount for their their property that's what the sales price gets recorded as the sales price a lot of times um is is reflected in an increased assessed value when you buy the home your assessed value is what is then used uh to determine your tax amount for your property so if you write if you go down as a sales price of 190 instead of 200,000 um what that could mean is that actually could mean your assessed value might be a little bit lower so it's actually a way to save on taxes um uh. and again it's not illegal, at least to the best of my knowledge, because you came to a mutually agreed upon price between buyer and seller. Seller was willing to accept a lower amount because the buyer took on some of the closing costs. And so there are some tax advantages in there. And again, I always say I am not a lawyer and or a CPA and or a tax accountant. So don't take my word for it. Just know what I've heard <laughs> through the grapevine. Um, the, other, the other two things that are out there. Uh, one very common thing that I see is I see um, buyers asking sellers of home warranties, uh, purchasing a one-year home warranty. Um, they're not horribly expensive, anywhere between four and seven hundred dollars, depending on the package you get. But if you don't ask the seller for one, again, that's four to seven hundred dollars. You save the 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 seller, and it doesn't sound like a lot, but you find two or three of those hidden little gems. All of a sudden, you've saved them a pretty penny. Yeah. Um, and the, and the last one is um, something that's not advisable. This is okay. just Jason. <laughs> Wilcox's own personal thoughts and feelings, whatever your trusted advisor is telling you, listen to them and make your own decision. The other thing you can do to sweeten the deal is actually waive the contingencies um, because um, waiving the contingencies like a home inspection means that the seller knows they're not going to have to renegotiate um, issues that come up on a home inspection. Like you have a home inspection and go, oh, I there's there's now termite treatment that needs to be done for $1,500 or, oh, there's uh, roof shingles that need to be replaced for $400. Um, I do not advise waiving the, the, the contingencies. I still think it's very important that a buyer gets a home uh, inspection done. Um, I think a better way to go to that is to say to the seller, look, Mr. And Mrs. Seller, we're not going to ask you for any repairs. We only want a, a home inspection for informational purposes. That might be a better way to go, but I won't, I won't get into that diatribe because we could get into um, that rabbit hole. But like I said, those are just some couple hidden little gems that might help the seller saves some money. Um, and at the end of the day, like I said, it's not about the sales price. It's about the final net value and the net proceed that the seller is going to walk away with. And if you can increase and maximize their proceeds, that could be what comes out, what allows you to come out on top. So, but no matter what you do, because the seller has, like we started with, the seller holds all the cards. They, yep. they end up making the final decision no matter what, right? Yep. And, and the reason I put that in there, Lou, is yes, not only do they have the final say because it's their house, but um, what, what shocks a lot of people is that they say money runs the world. Well, not for everyone. Um, I've only heard these stories. It's not happened to me. Most of my multiple bid experience has been the seller will take the most amount of money. But I've had situations, or I've heard of situations where um, there was a buyer who um, who was actually 
putting down the least amount of money out of all the offers. Uh, they were putting the least down payment and the seller went with that offer because they said, we needed a big break from the seller. When we bought our first house, um, mm -hmm. we were in a position where we didn't have a lot of money and we, we, we were very blessed to have a seller that worked with us and helped with us so we could buy our first house. And we feel it's only responsible to return that to our buyers. So they chose the buyer who put down the lease because they felt they needed the most help. Um, sometimes a seller might choose the VA loan over everyone else, because even though in the hierarchy of loans, VA is the weakest because there's a lot of um, there's, there's no down payment. And a lot of times there's hoops that have to be jumped through in terms of inspections and things like that. You know, somebody goes, you know what, I, I'm a veteran. I served, I want to honor a fellow veteran. Mm -hmm. um, and I know VA loans are only available to those active and retired military. So I, um, I, I'm going to take the VA loan. So I say that because at the end of the day, no matter how pretty your offer is, the seller makes the final decision. And for the seller, it may, the dollar may not be the most important thing to them. And if that's the case, you're just going to have to accept that they might go with another offer for a reason that you don't agree with, but nobody cares because yeah. it's not your house to sell. It's, it's the sellers. Absolutely. Good point. But right. The sellers can have some issues in this situation as well. Right. Yep. Yep. For the sellers, the reason I put this down is because um, when you're when you're looking at offers, um, don't get greedy. Don't get greedy sellers. Sometimes sellers go, oh, I want the most money possible. And that could lead you to a horse carriage full of problems. Uh -oh. um, what you have to be careful of with sellers is this. Um, probably the biggest issue that I see with multiple bids Um a lot of times when we're getting into this multiple bid situation, people lead with their hearts and not their heads. And uh, Lou, I'm sure this has never happened to you. Um, I know it's never happened to me okay. where I've, I've, you know, gone into an evening full of decision-making with my heart and then waking up next morning with my head going, what in the hell was I thinking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, happens, it happens to the best of us, my friend. I've said this many times, but wouldn't that be a great podcast episode? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyways, um, that, that happens with buyers. And all of a sudden, you know, you choose the the seller or the buyer that like, oh, yeah, waive all the contingencies. I'm going to give you 20000 over and we're going to put $20,000 hand money down. And they write this pristine offer. And then the next morning they're going, what did I just do? And then they're looking for any way out. And they find a way out. And what happens is, and I've, I've seen this happen before, where you go back and you go, well, okay, I have multiple offers. Um, so I'll just go back and take one of those other offers. And then those other offers aren't available. Maybe, maybe, you know, the, the buyer decided to terminate over the home inspection, but that was seven, eight days later. And mm. now you try to go find another buyer that brought you one of those original offers. They've bought something else. They've moved on. They no longer yeah. have an interest. They don't want to offer you anywhere near what you want to offer. I actually had a situation once where I had a buyer that lost out on four multiple bid situations. And the house he ended up buying and closing on was actually the first house that he put a multiple bid on because what happened was, was, the, the first buyer bid 20000 over and then they wanted the money back and they fought tooth and nail to try to, to um, 
to try to, to get that money back and they couldn't. So they terminated over the home inspection. My buyer was the only one still standing two weeks later because they, all the other buyers had found something or moved on or were no longer interested. And so he got the house, but he got it, I think, cheaper than what he made the original offer for, or at the very least about the same price tag, which was about 15, 20,000 than what the seller was going to get with the original offer that he accepted because that one walked away. And then what was left standing was the more reasonable one who knew what he was doing when he made the offer. And so at the end of the day, the seller really didn't get that $20,000 deal over and the set everything else because that person walked away. Yeah. So sellers be smart and really look at your, um, really look at all your offers. And actually I'll tell you a very quick story. Don't Lou. get, and don't get cocky is what we're saying. Yes. Be like, yes. Hey, I have all the cards. Screw you guys, you know, mm-hmm. and get you and, in trouble. <laughs> yep. And I'll actually, I'll give you a quick story. And I, I might've told this story a couple episodes ago. So I'll give the abridged version. Um, I was in a crazy multiple bid situation on a couple of properties, uh, investment properties. And, um, what it was, was there were people that were just bidding so astronomically over like $25,000, $30,000 over. It was just insane. And we knew it was never going to appraise. And what happened was, was the the seller was actually a bank because it was a, it was a, um, an estate. Okay. And the, to the most important thing, the bank was cleanliness. They didn't want to deal with all this garbage after uh. the initial offer. So what they went with, with was, was the cash offer waiving all the contingencies. That's what was most important to them. Them, and they passed up offers that were thirty, forty thousand dollars more than the offer they accepted because that's not what was important to them. What was important was we have a cash offer with an investor that knows what they're doing. They're waiving the contingencies because they're investors. They know what they're getting into. They uh-huh. know they know the repairs that are needed on the house, and this is the cleanest offer that's going to get us to closing. So just know, you know. That, that that's how they chose to, to run that offer. And that's always a possibility. So anything's possible in, in, in multiple bid situations. Yeah. 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 Sometimes people are just looking for that. Look, I don't want to deal with this and this and this, what's the, you know, straight, <laughs> exactly easiest path to where I want to go. I don't want to be, you know, jumping through all kind of crazy hoops. Let's just do the thing. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, anything else you want to add Jason before we wrap up for today, Bo? Yes, I have two very quick final thoughts, uh, one for buyers and one for sellers. For buyers, it is this. I always tell my buyers in a multiple bid situation, this is what you have to consider. At the end of the day, if your bid in a multiple bid situation is not accepted, I want you to say, okay, good, because I wasn't going to pay a dollar more than what I was offered. Um, or what I was offering, um, you know, at the, at the same time, I don't, if it's not accepted, I don't want you to go, Oh, I wish I would have offered this. So that's the first thing to consider. The second thing to consider is if you make an offer and it gets accepted, I don't want you to go, uh Oh, now I have to pay this amount. Mm. So that's a very fine line that, that, that buyers have to consider is if your offer is accepted, you got to move forward and you got to pay what you were offering. So don't get so wild and crazy in your heart that the next morning your head's going to go, uh-oh, what did I get myself into? At the same time, don't play the woulda, coulda, shoulda game. Um, for sellers, if it's too good to be true, it probably is. I know that's the most cliched saying in the book of cliched sayings, but if it's too good to be true, it probably is. The person that's probably going to come in with 20,000 over and no contingencies on it, it's probably going to fall apart. And just be prepared when it does, because again, sellers, it's usually not uh, 
as good as it looks. And all so. your dreams come crashing down. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. On on that happy note, listen, if you can, there's a very simple solution to all of this stuff. And it's a phone number. And that phone number is 412-651-4638. That is Jason Wilcox's personal cell phone. So you don't have to worry that you're going to do something stupid because you're going to hire Jason. You're going to bring Jason on to your team. He's going to become your real estate advisor. And he is going to walk you through this stuff. And he's going to, you know, he's going to kick you under the table if you start to open your mouth and say, you know, some crazy thing you're not supposed to be saying to get you in trouble. He's going to go over everything with you. Buyer, seller, either way, he is going to uh, really work really, really hard to make sure that you guys put together a deal, that you do the thing in the right way, so that you don't get screwed in the end, that everybody walks away, uh, you know, with a smile on their face, so to speak, that it's all taken care of right. And so if you're a seller and you have the advantage or if you're a buyer and you're like, oh, man, how do we work this thing? You want to get a hold of Jason. Well, make him your real estate advisor. Can't emphasize that enough right away. You can get a hold of him once again at 412-651-4638. And the email for Jason is jason.wilcox at pittsburghmoves.com. Great show. Again, having a lot of fun with this. Uh, I, I learned so much uh, every every episode. Jason's a great guy. Check him out and uh, tune in to the next episode of the Really Real Real Estate Podcast. Take care, guys. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.